number of years ago, our children became interested in the opposite sex. I want to share an account of Beth Ann. Beth Ann became interested in a guy by the name of Andy. And there was one occasion on the way home from Cedarville when we were bringing her home that I think, if I recall correctly, she talked the entire trip home, which is between eight and nine and hours, depends who's driving and so on. And she talked about primarily one subject. And he is sitting over here. There was another occasion we were in the Dominican Republic and Ruth Ann was sitting by... Beth Ann on the way home, and the issue of discussion on the way home is should I like this guy or should I not like this guy, and on and on and on, and we know the outcome ultimately. She did choose to marry him, and he chose to marry her, and there's some other stories we could tell about that, but we won't. But why did Beth Ann talk about Andy? Because she was excited about him. She had a relationship with him. We have repented of sin and trusted in Christ. We have a relationship with the Creator God. We have a relationship with God. We have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God lives within us. Christ is our life. And we can talk about Him. We can share with others. Not because we have to. Not because it's our duty but because we enjoy him, we live with him, we walk with him. He's part of our life. Thank you, Mike. Anyone else want to say amen? amen? He is our life. We share, with, we share with others as a result. Last week, we began to discuss a series on just sharing Christ with others. We discussed Colossians 4, which talks about the fact that we're to be wise in the way we act towards outsiders or make the most of every opportunity. Last Sunday night, we talked about 1 Peter chapter 3, 13 through 17, that we are to be prepared to give an answer of everyone who asks the hope that we have. This morning, we want to look at a passage in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now we'll be reading verses 11 and 12. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Paul says, Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Now, as we think about this portion of Scripture, I think it's good to get an overall view of the book of Thessalonians. He begins the book by being thankful for the Thessalonians. I should say 
they begin the book because Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says in verse 2, we always give thanks for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. One of the themes of the epistles is that Paul, in this case Paul, Silas, and Timothy, are thankful for people. Verse 3, we continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. These believers, the three enduring qualities, faith, hope, and love. He goes on in verses 4 through 10, we won't read all of those verses, talks about the fact that their relationship with God, their relationship with Christ, resulted in sharing with others, that the word of God went out from them, and they shared with others. Then in chapter 2, through chapter 3, in verse 13, we have the issue of relationships and Paul, more or less Paul in this case, defending his ministry. Apparently, after Paul had ministered in Thessalonica, some People came along and said, you know, Paul isn't valid. They criticized him. They tore him down. And Paul defends his ministry. And he also talks about relationships. Deep concern that he had. Look at verse 10 of chapter 2. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt... With each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Father-child relationship. In verse 17, but brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. There's a relationship there, and you could read on. Again, relationship between Paul, Silas, Timothy, and the believers in Thessalonica. They long to interact with one another. Verse 1 of chapter 3 says, So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who's our brother, and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in the faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. There's a deep concern. And then in chapter 4, verse 1, through the end of chapter 5, Paul, Silas, and Timothy give some guidance in just living out their relationship with God. He says in verse 1 of chapter 4, Finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. That's interesting. Instructed you how to live to please God, as in fact you are living. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. Then he goes on to talk about sexual, moral purity, Verses 3 through 8, verses 9 and 10, he talks about loving one another. 11 and 12, which we'll discuss in a moment, he discusses making your ambition to live a quiet life. 
and so on. And then he goes on to talk about the coming of the Lord. We want to focus on verses 11 and 12 as we think about being sought, light, ambassadors in our day-by-day living. Paul says, Silas says, Timothy says, going the wrong way here. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, to work with your own hands. Why? So that your daily life will win the respect of outsiders and you will not be dependent on anybody. Make it your ambition to do what? Lead a quiet life. Mind your own business and work with your own hands. What does he mean when he says, make it your ambition? It involves exerting oneself to accomplish a task. Make it your ambition to accomplish a task, to live a quiet life, to mind your own business, to work with your own hands. It means to endeavor earnestly. There's no half-heartedness. There's no mediocrity. If I were to pull out a pizza from under the pulpit and say the first one up here gets it, some of you would endeavor earnestly. Some of you wouldn't. Pizza, endeavor earnestly. Paul, Silas, and Timothy Make it your ambition, exert yourself, endeavor earnestly. No half-heartedness, no mediocrity. Endeavor earnestly to do what? To lead a quiet life. The idea of leading a quiet life is not running hither and thither. No, no direction. It involves living a balanced life in light of God's priorities. You know, there's a lot of things that we can do that God has never called us to do. Live a quiet life. Living according to the important, not the urgent. See, there's important things in life. The urgent is forever pressing upon us. Many times we just let the urgent go and we focus on the important. We'll explain that a little as we go along. It's peace within and peace without. An inner calmness and an outward calmness because there's life lived according to the important, not the urgent. There's a man in another country who fished for a living And one day, a wealthy American saw him sitting there and said to the man, why are you sitting here? Why aren't you out fishing? And the man said, I caught enough fish for today. 
I don't need to catch any more. I caught enough fish and I sold them. And the American said to the man, why don't you catch more fish? And the man looked at the American and said, why would I want to catch more fish? And the American said, so you can sell more fish and you can buy more boats and catch more fish. The man sitting there said, why would I want to catch more fish like that? And the American replied, so you can catch more fish and have more boats and sell more fish and have more money. And the man looked at the American and said, why would I want to do that? And the American said, so that you can retire and take it easy and enjoy life. And the man looked at him and said, what do you think I'm doing now? A man that was living a quiet life, enjoying the present, not consumed with getting and obtaining. Make it your ambition to live a quiet life, to mind your own business. A knowledge of God's responsibilities, and that's what you focus on. What are your responsibilities? Mind your own business. <clears throat> Only your responsibilities. <clears throat> it also involves to be occupying oneself with a particular responsibility. That is the responsibilities God has given you. Also, <clears throat> letting go of items that are not of a concern to you. Not concerned with what everybody else is doing. And why, and so on. Make that an ambition to mind your own business. So someone comes up to me and says, hey pastor, did you hear about so-and-so? I say, no, I didn't hear about so-and-so, and I don't want to hear about so-and-so because I can't respond to them anyway. It's none of my business. One of the ambitions I made in life is to mind my own business. So I turn on the radio, and a talk radio show comes on, and I they're telling me about something that is happening in our country, and I turn the radio off, and I say, it's not my business to know about that. I can do nothing about it. I mind my own business, so I just turn it off. Make it your ambition to live a quiet life, to mind your own business, to work with your own hands. To be busy in manual labor is what it would mean in the text of Scripture. The opposite of lazy and I realize we can do things that may not require manual labor. You know, we can occupy our minds, you know, in our work and so on. I think that would time with our culture today. Make it your ambition to live a quiet life, to mind your own business, to work with your own hands. Why? To win the respect. That should be win respect. <clears throat> to win the respect of outsiders. Respect is living in a becoming manner with propriety 
and gracefully. Let's go back to Andy and Beth for a minute. So Andy asked Beth to marry him. And Beth said, yes. And one day, Ruth Ann is talking to Beth Ann, and she gets off the phone, and she says, I'm very concerned about Beth Ann. And I say, why are you concerned about him? Or her, rather. Because she's been telling me about these other boys that she likes and has been seeing. She didn't do that, so... Why would Ruth Ann be concerned? Because that's not becoming of someone who is engaged. What is becoming of a Christian? What is proper for a Christian? To lead a quiet life, to mind her own business, to work with her own hands. That's becoming. That wins the respect of outsiders who are outsiders, they're unbelievers. You know, sometimes we make the Christian life so difficult, we think, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to respond in this way, I got to say this to a non-believer. Paul says here, Silas says, Timothy says, make it your ambition to to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business and to work with your own hands so that you may win the respect of outsiders. Also, so that you will not be dependent on anybody. That is not expecting others to provide for you materially, financially, and you're providing for your family. Believers are to apply themselves in this passage to living a quiet life to minding your own business, to working with your own hands. The daily life of believers has a profound impact on unbelievers. Humans behave in certain ways. But as believers mind their own business, Live a quiet life and work with their own hands. Unbelievers observe. They say, ah, that is becoming of a believer. There's something different about them. And apparently that is going to result in unbelievers being receptive to our message. Now I ask myself a question What does it mean in our culture today for the body of believers here at Roaring Brook to live a quiet life? To mind their own business, to work with their own hands. What does it mean for us as a body? What does it also mean for us individually? And I'll share a few possibilities. It may mean that we have limited corporate activities. It means that we're not going to be pulling the family apart too often because family is vital. (coughs) 
It may mean that believers, we encourage believers to be involved in limited ministries so that they are not all the time having to go and do something. It would mean leaders modeling quiet lives, taking care of the important, not the urgent. In light of the emphasis on relationships in 1 Thessalonians, it may involve time without rush for body relationships. Time without rush for body relationships. Because as you study scripture, body relationships are many times mentioned first. Quiet life, that's an important item, body relationships. How many of us here, right now, have a burden we're carrying, have a joy we would like to share, have a decision that we would like to make, or in the process of making, but we're basically doing that alone. Because we think no one has time or we don't have time, whatever the case may be. Quiet life. Time for relationships. It apparently would involve confronting one another when we get overextended. We're trying to go too many directions in our life. Some believer coming alongside us and saying, look, you're not living a quiet life. You're running hither and thither. You're not taking care of the important. You're running after the urgent. It may involve families taking time on a daily, weekly basis just to be together. It may involve saying no many times. I can't. Mind your own business. What would it look like in our local church? Dealing with relational conflict within our church and not sharing it with anyone else. Deal with it within our body. No one else needs to know. Church down the road don't need to know. People on the job don't need to know. Mind your own business. We take care of our body. It may mean refusing to talk negatively about our church or decisions, etc., to a non-believer. Because we're minding our own business. We're letting the body take care of the body. It may mean you refuse to ask other believers about some issue that you may have heard about and you just want more ushy-gushy details. You say, I'm not going to ask anymore. I don't need any more. It's none of my business. It's none of our business. Minding your own business, you know, just caring for other believers. Working with your own hands as a body of believers. Believers able to work. Being willing to work. Helping believers to find jobs if they're out of work. Teach a biblical worldview of work. Question. If you want to do this, you're welcome to do it. 
in our community somewhere, go knock on a door and say, do you know anything about Roaring Brook Baptist Church? Not the building, but the people. What do you know about us? Do you know that we live quiet lives, we mind our own business, and we work with our own hands? Communities know things about churches. Are we winning the respect of outsiders or not? See, that is valid. You know, what do they know about us? What do they hear about us? I think also with the respect of outsiders, does our community think we conduct our financial affairs properly? So neighbor A is talking to neighbor B and says, did you hear about Roaring Brook Baptist Church? They're behind in their payment. They didn't pay their electric bill. They're about to get turned off. We're not, by the way. See, that's not good. But to never hear anything like that is good. What do you know about Roaring Brook Baptist Church? Well, I don't know too much about them. I never heard too much bad about them. Good. Do people in our community hear us talk unkindly about the following? Other believers in our church? Our government? Our church leaders? Our mates and so on? Not just we winning the respect of outsiders. A couple other examples. Of this, these might be more on an individual level. Planning your week to include the important. Body of Christ, your mate, your children, your parents, work, and then other items as time permits. Being willing to say no to maybe overtime, maybe to some activity or sports, or whatever it may be, so that your family has time together because family is important. It may mean you plan time to be together with other believers corporately for worship, to interact with other believers at certain times, which means that you may say no to other items. It may mean that when your neighbor comes up to you and says, did you hear about Travis and Laura? No, I didn't hear about Travis and Laura, and I really don't want to hear about them because if it's none of my business, I don't want to hear about it. Some of you are older. You remember when you had party lines, you know, more than one person, you know, someone else could pick up the phone and listen and know what you were saying. You younger people won't remember those days. I remember those days, and I remember my mom with her talking sometimes, and there's sometimes she didn't say certain things because she thought someone picked up. Well, then maybe it don't need to be said. <laughs> Mind your own business. A fellow student, you're a student in school, begins to. So someone comes up to Sammy and says, Sammy, 
let me tell you about. And Sammy says, I don't want to hear it because there's nothing I can do about it. It's not my business. Mind your own business. I'm posing this more as a question. You can listen to the news and there's tons of talk radio. Is it really my business to listen to a lot of people criticize our government and tear our government down? Is that really my business? And to find fault with our government, is that really my business? I do know what my business is. I'm to pray for those in authority over me. I'm to be willing to vote. I'm to be willing to recognize when they do right and they do wrong. And to be willing to write letters. And be willing to be involved. But is it wise for me to continually listen? I'm posing that as a question. I'm not answering it. But think about it. What is our business and what isn't our business? Do you have a life that is consumed with living a quiet life, minding your own business, and working with your hands? I can't answer that for you. You can't answer it for me. But maybe we would be wise as a body of Christ sometimes to be willing to interact more with one another and say, Pastor, you're not living a quiet life now. Bill, you're not living a quiet life. Aaron, you're not minding your own business. Charlie, you're not working with your own hands. You're getting lazy in school. (laughs) I don't think he is that I know of. It may mean as a body of Christ, we come alongside and we say, Daniel, I really want to encourage you. You're living a quiet life. Faith, you're minding your own business. Emerson, you're working with your own hands just encouraging you keep that up in one case it may be encouragement in another case it may be to spur us on to get back on track I've lived long enough to realize from my study of scripture and just observing the world in which we live that the way we as believers live Open and close doors for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can talk about making disciples. We can talk about sharing the gospel. And we want to do that. But the backdrop, the background, if you please, is our lives. Quiet lives. 
minding your own business, working with your own hands. And tonight and next Sunday, as we look at some parallel passages of how Christ responded to people, we'll find that as we mind our own business, live quiet lives and work with our own hands, that that will open doors and we can gain insight and understanding from Christ and how to live and how to respond when opportunities are present.